What's up, everybody? It's been a minute. We're back on the ping pong pizza party <laughs> thing. <laughs> oh man, I'm here today with Hera Hera Medina. Medina? Yes. Um, we're gonna get to know Hera. I know him a little bit. Cool dude. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and uh, gonna talk about some cool stuff that this cool dude is up to. And some of his cool friends. So, um, how about you introduce yourself to us, dude? Yeah, well, thanks for having me, uh, reviving the podcast to talk to me. Been <laughs> <laughs> a while. Um, yeah, my name is Gerardo Medina. You can call me Gera. Uh, I'm a former professional cyclist. Now I go to school. I'm doing <clears throat> an engineering major as a pre medical degree. Uh, but I'm still pretty involved in, in the sport. I am a sports performance specialist or uh, I'm, a, I'm an advisor for several pro athletes in, in training and testing and all that stuff. I, I do metabolic testing, you know, like the VO2 max and that sort of thing, lactate, uh, bike feeding and uh, basically everything related to sports performance, specifically for endurance sports. And uh, I'm part of the BMBA, which is how we met. The Borderland uh, Mountain Bike Association, yeah, by the way. Right. Um and uh, I'm a co-founder as well for El Paso and Bikes, a local organization to promote health and which healthy is, life. Which is the main thing that we want to talk about is the EP on bikes, El Paso on bikes, which is really cool. But um, to touch on some of the stuff that you just said, uh, like a little, by the way, so you're doing, you do bike fits and a bunch of the like science-y cool stuff with, right. with like fitting people at Crazy Cat Cyclery. Right? At Crazy yeah, Cat Cyclery, cool. yes. And what's the bridge about? The bridge. So that's my coaching, testing, uh, perform sports performance business. I began this business in 2017, I believe, or 2018. Um, the bridge, I don't know, it's just the name. I think everything in life is a bridge. You know, <laughs> we're trying to... Onto the next thing, right? Right. We're trying to bridge, you know, get connections with people and, and you know, just bridging across breakaways when you're racing and, you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I don't know. I just like the name and... Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Bike fits are cool. Um, I've always been fascinated by bike fitting and the whole like biomechanics and our bodies are just such amazing machines. So to they really are. And so are bicycles. So to bridge those two, haha. Hold on. I got one for that. Hold on. Here you go. To bridge those two. <laughs> anyway, um, that's, that's crazy. You know, yeah. I, I've seen your setup at Crazy Cat with the whole, like, this dude's got, like, cameras, and <laughs> you can see yourself real time, and there's, like, angle analytics. And I yeah. I haven't gotten a bike fit like that, but it looks really in uh, yeah, We're, uh, we're still get, working get, on that. You get into it, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty dope. So if you're, uh, I guess if you're not comfy on your bike, you're a serious cyclist or whatever, maybe, or do you do like just, no, even just if you're, racers? Or? Even if you're comfortable, I mean, uh, it's about performance, it's about comfort, you know, it's uh, about learning how your body works, how your body moves, and then adapting that to how you need to move on your bike, right? So it is different if you're just a recreational rider than a race cyclist, you know, a triathlete or tri time trial specialist or a climber, uh, mountain biker. So yeah, every discipline has its own um, specificity and uh, you know, it is important to address uh, specific points. Of Let me ask you something about that. So, like, as a as a dad, uh, I got right. these two little ones that are, uh, you know, they ride bikes. We ride bikes to school and whatnot. And um, I've done little things like, you know, being a bike guy, mm -hmm. where it's like, man, this I get a, a you know, a saddle, for example. That's a common one. Like, anytime I get them a new bike or they get a new bike, it's like parts come off, more comfy, ergonomic parts go on. But I've never fitted them like what am i trying to say is is uh bike have you ever fitted is there like a kid's bike fit you know actually recently uh, a friend of mine contacted me about that about fitting her her daughter um and what i offered her was a package so you know she she would pay an amount and her uh daughter would have several bike fits throughout the season because you know depending on the age of your children they're they're growing and uh, sometimes they're growing very fast absolutely so you know the, the fit might go uh out in uh, you know whatever fit you do on them might not be what they need in a couple of months um so yeah it, it is hard to fit kids and i think the the best approach is to just have you know continue you know 
continuous adjustments to, to yeah. how they ride. Yeah, yeah. I've seen companies do like, uh, you know, multiple pedal uh, holes, I guess, or like, uh, you know, on the same crank arm. Right. So that way, like, as they grow, you go from like 160 millimeters to 165 or whatever the heck, you know. Right. It's uh, That's kind of cool. But anyway, I'm always, you know, got the dad hat on. So Right. <laughs> no, it's good. I mean, it is important, too, to take care of, you know, how children ride. Well, you know, I think that this is just my thought is just like um, everyone should be, I think everyone deserves to be like in, uh, have equipment that is good and they feel good on, like not even just cycling, but like anything, right? Like I go to right. Dick Sporting Goods or whatever and it's like, dude, they have such sick stuff <laughs> like for 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 kids, um, baseball and this and that. But just, uh, yeah, that just came to, to mind, like kids bike fitting. Yeah, you bring a good point with the they do grow like weeds, man. And you know what's interesting too is people are, you know, I find fascinating not just in cycling, also runners and, and swimmers as well. You know, triathletes, people get used to being in pain, and I think that might be the nature of the sport as well. That you know, as a cyclist, I mean, yourself right now, right? You crashed and uh, you're all sore and in pain, <laughs> and you know that's just the nature of the sport. And people might, you know, sometimes I, I hear what people tell me during a fit or during a test. Um, and they're, they're just so uncomfortable on their bikes and, and you know, running and swimming. Every, everything hurts, but they don't really address that. They don't really do anything to correct the pain. Uh, and I think that is one of the very important things of, you know, when bike feet comes in and, and not just saddle hide and fore aft, whatever, but, you know, as you said, getting the right equipment, the right saddle, the right handlebars, you know, everything, the, the right shoes. How'd you learn how to fit people? It's been a it's been a long process. Different uh, fit courses. Um, I'm about to go to a new different course, like uh, level three, I believe, in in Phoenix at the end of the month. So several fits and a lot of research and learning biomechanics and stuff. Did you? you I imagine you got fitted when you were pro cyclist and like. I did. Yeah. Thing, yeah. In fact, uh, w- one of the persons that fitted me and who really got me interested in the whole science of fitting is uh, a good friend of mine um, from Virginia. His business is called VeloFit. Uh, he's a PT, he's a physical therapist. Uh-huh. And uh, the first time that I went with him was because I, I got fitted and there were several things that didn't seem to be, um, you know, bike related. It just seemed to be more my body not working properly. And so my friend who fitted me uh, sent me with this other guy, Kerr, and you know, I just found very interesting the whole process that he did. He was not just about, you know, throwing you on the bike and analyzing angles and all that, but he actually looked at you um, off the bike, how you moved off the bike, try to find, uh, you know, the efficiencies or, or, or pain that you might have and, and then fit you based on that. Um, so really look at your biomechanics and then try to translate those biomechanics on the bike or try to read your biomechanics off the bike on the bike and um, put them together and not just that but also give you a you know he would prescribe you a, a training program like strength and mobility training program to correct those issues that you had and then you'd come in a few a few weeks later a few months later um, to check you know your progress and, and make adjustments if need it to your bike that's cool i never i never thought about that like for a bike fitter or bike fit session to have that aspect of it where it's like okay hey man or woman or whatever we we fit you and you're feeling this thing but guess what it's because you're weak here or out of balance or whatever so here this is what you got to do in your own body in order to for the fit to take is that what I'm hearing? Right. Yes. And yeah. That's, 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 that's the approach that I have. Right. I, I, that's cool. Yeah. 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 I it mean, it makes total sense though. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Cause it has to fit, I guess like puzzle pieces or whatever. Right. Yeah. And, after. It, and every part of performance this is something I always tell people is that in the end, it is your body doing the work and you got to learn how your body works in order to get the most out of it. And you know, that's why that is the same approach that I have during bike feeds. You know, I do the, the pre-fitting test uh i prescribe some exercises um 
And that's also one of the things that got me so fascinated into metabolic testing, you know, the performance testing with the, with the oxygen mask and all that lactate, uh, all that geeky stuff about, love it. you know, learning, love it. <laughs> learning how the human body works. And, Let's and, nerd out, dude. Yeah. <laughs> love it. It's yeah. so fun. You ever so, see that old movie? Was it Breaking Away? The 80s movie with like Kevin Costner. I don't think I have. What's that about? Uh, it's like an old cycling movie. It's uh, an American 80s cycling movie. I, yeah, I think it's Breaking Away. Either that or... Uh, man, there's there's a few. Like, there's like Quicksilver with Kevin Bacon. That was like a uh, fixed gear one though with Lawrence Fishburne. That's not the one. It was another one where they do the VO2 max testing. Okay, there's, a, there's a scene in it where they put this thing like over his face mm-hmm. and they're like run or maybe his brother or some shit but they uh so that's essentially what they're doing right they're just like testing his motor <laughs> yeah you're testing the motor but not just uh i mean one of the things that you do and one of the things that people real you know people think that that test with a mask is about the vo2 max and vo2 max is part of it just to see how big your engine is basically your aerobic engine uh but you can also find all kinds of cool stuff like how many calories you burn specifically at each intensity and, you know, whether that's coming from fat or carbohydrates. Uh, and then the, one of the very cool things about cycling is that you use power meters and power meters give you an amount of energy that you are producing on the pedals, which means that amount of energy is going to the pedals from your body, but your body is producing a lot more energy internally. So for example, depending on your efficiency, you might be producing a thousand calories internally, but the amount of energy that you're pushing to the pedals is just 250 calories, right? So your efficiency is only 25%, which is very normal for amateur racing people. Pros can go up to 30, 30, over 30%. That means, you know, again, of the total energy that you produce internally, chemically, and translates into uh, movement, into physical energy, um, people usually in cycling specifically can only use between 20 and 30 percent of that total chemical energy that they, that they produce to push their pedals i didn't realize it was so low it sounds like a low number yeah. for pros to be like just over 30 percent. so what i mean the rest of the energy becomes you know dissipates as heat and there's other metabolic oh, processes going on right. in your body right i mean your organs are still i guess it's not like yeah yeah i guess your body needs energy to just be alive <laughs> right <laughs> and two things and even, you know, going back to the bike fit real quick, uh, depending on how you move as well, you might be, you know, your, your, your legs might have more energy, but in the process of moving the legs, some of that energy might also be going away in lateral movement instead of vertical movement towards the pedals and all kinds of And stuff. you test all this stuff or just like I do, yes. normal people and yeah. dumbasses like me? I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> well, I'm the only one. I'm not calling anybody else out there a dumbass. No, but um, like, I mean, in all seriousness, like this is the kind of stuff that I think about like world tour, you know, cyclists getting this like type of treatment, this type of training, this type of like um, fitting kind of analysis, whatever. And it's, it sounds like, it sounds awesome. Like who wouldn't want that? Right. To like feel comfortable, super powerful, like stronger than you've ever felt. And I would imagine like if you're comfy and you're, and you're efficient, it wouldn't, it would, but does it ever, do you get, get feedback where like somebody's like, man, I feel like I'm just kind of like not pushing as hard, but the numbers say that I'm pushing harder than ever. Does that happen? You know what I mean? Like where you just kind of find power in some, well, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I mean, what I see, if I understand correctly, that, that, that I see with athletes that I coach, you know, where they're like, I don't know, man, I felt like shit uh but you look at the numbers and the numbers are actually really good so hmm. maybe they just had a bad day you know they were suffering with something else but uh, they are adapting to the stimulus of training so for example actually that's a good example when you're in doing a, a periodization a training block let's say two or three weeks in the second and third week uh, you know fatigue starts to accumulate uh, so you might not feel as fresh as uh, snappy as in the first week but fitness is coming your body is adapting to the stimulus of training. So maybe in that third week, you are feeling very tight, you know, uh, tight muscles and tired, but your body is working better than two weeks uh, prior. So you might feel like crap, but your numbers 
might be high. Excuse me, might be higher. So yeah, that is. And what about mental fatigue? What is the mental aspect of it? Do you, do you take that into account? Is it, is it even possible yes. like to measure that? How do you? So the, the platform that I use for coaching is called uh, Training Peaks, which is very popular. And athletes can report all kinds of metrics on there. And I actually ask, especially, you know, performance athletes or pro athletes that I work with to, to uh, ideally every day uh, report those sort of metrics, just how they feel that morning how fatigued they feel, uh, if they're stressed, if they are, how their motivation is, uh, how they slept. So all kinds of stuff, all stuff that they can report. But I think that the most important here in going to the mental aspect, you know, the, the stress that they feel that morning and um, their overall motivation. Um, yeah, you, I, I do take that into account. And That's you, awesome, dude. Yeah. Because I, I think uh, that gets, I mean, I, I just speak for myself and my experience of, like, I'm no racer, but I've raced before multiple, a lot of times and over the, I've been riding for a lot of years and stuff. And yeah, that motivation thing, that mental aspect of it is so real. You know, right. like if you're going to, I don't know, you'd be bummed out about something or super stoked on something and then feel totally different, like during the ride, after the ride, like it's just, and the output, the, I've never, trained with the power meter but like you know strava or right. or other uh i guess metrics or ways to like see in numbers like how you're doing right um have shown me like that i'm doing better or worse than i think i am and then that kind of changes in real time what i'm out putting out does that make sense it does make a lot of sense of yeah. course yeah yeah and you, cool. you know one of the things one of the things with uh, with athletes as well is that I know the physiology of things and I know that from one week to another you do not lose all of your fitness. Uh, however, you might feel tired, right? And, and going back to the point before, and sometimes you feel tired, and but you still hit the numbers or even better numbers than you thought. But there are times when you just don't hit the numbers. Right? Your numbers are lower than than you expected, and then even prescribed um and again i know the physiology but athletes usually don't and and, and i experienced this myself when i was racing right you have a bad day of training it's like oh man i don't know what i'm doing uh, i think training is not going as well and the race is coming up in a couple of weeks you stress out about that and it is important for me to make sure that that these athletes know that it was just a bad day right? and a bad day does not make a bad season or a bad rest of the month it is just that a bad day um, that are just, I mean, we could go on and on. About no, it's this, super right? fascinating. But, I know, I know. We're here to talk about a bunch of other yeah, stuff. Yeah. Man. It goes the opposite too. Like, uh, I go to the skate park, you know, and sneak away for a little ride or session by myself. And I put the, I'm like, man, I'm feeling good on this, like this jump or whatever on my BMX bike. And then I'll put the little camera and get a video of it. Right. <laughs> and then I look back at it. I'm like, that did not look the way it felt. Like, I feel great, man. I'm on top of the world. And you're like, I'm just not going to record that again. <laughs> no. And then other times, I mean, something feels like super scary, like out of control or like just not, I don't know, whatever. And then it's like the dopest looking one. But I, I mean, who gives a shit? I go by the way I feel. I guess uh, if you're happy, right? who gives a fuck what the numbers are, right? Yeah. <laughs> most people, yeah. Yeah, most people, I guess. Anyway, so man, that's cool. If you want to uh, have Hera, y'all, uh, fix you up on, on the bike and make you into a, a power animal beast uh, with a big smile on your face, <laughs> hit him, crazy cat. And uh, anyway, so let's move on to the EP on bikes. Yeah, so, let's do that. How, okay, so let me, you're, you're backing up first on, on your little history here, right? You're riding bikes, you're riding pro. And then you're getting fitted and then you become a fitter and all this stuff. But let's back up more, right? Like before you turned pro and before you started racing and before all that, like the roots, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? You see where I'm going with this, right? The roots, right, dude. Totally, yeah. Yeah. What's, let's talk about your, uh, how'd you get into bike riding? Like, I mean, bike riding period, dude, like mm -hmm. learning, like, from your transition from being a kid and right i'm assuming you learned when you were a kid into mm -hmm. into cycling that part of it and yeah let's talk about that 
Yeah, well, I don't know. I must have been three, four. Oh, you started young. Yeah, I mean, I, just riding bikes. I, that's when I learned how to ride bikes. I'm going way, way back. Yeah, dude, that's um, pretty young, I think. That's, yeah, I was on my grandpa's awesome. ranch, and my, my dad, I don't know, he, he, he likes the outdoors, and he likes, you know, just sports in general. And Do you yeah. train the wheels? Hmm? Did you use training wheels? Uh, I actually didn't. No, he Dang. he taught us how to how to ride a bike. Me and my sister uh, in one of the warehouses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we fell a couple of times. You know, we cried a couple of times. But uh, I think within the same day, we were riding bikes, and you know, it was cool because we could ride around the ranch. Uh, you know, go to where the horses were and, and cows and stuff, and just see the ranch. Um, ride around with friends and stuff. So. Uh, yeah, that was cool. And, uh, I learned how to ride bikes. I mostly just did it at the ranch and maybe around the block at my house, nothing crazy. Um, you know, and then <clears throat> when I was a little older or, you know, when I grew up a little more, maybe I was like eight as any good Mexican would, I began playing soccer or football, football, yeah. uh, football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, I was playing, I was really good at it actually. You know, I, I, I did win a few tournaments, like, you know, the, I don't know what the, what the name of that uh, prize is in English, but I you know I scored the most goals in the tournament, little things like that, and I was really good. But my dad started riding bikes because he got uh, he has like arrhythmia issues, but he also has knee issues. He got um, I don't know, he got some surgeries. So Did he the doctors run. tell him, "Yo, you got to ride a bike." Yeah, yeah, he couldn't run anymore. Oh. So they said, "Well, you you could ride a bike. You know, that's another option, less stress on your knees." So he began doing that, and he was riding with my with one of my uncles and and other friends from from Chihuahua, and he kept trying to get me into cycling because his friends' children were racing bikes, but I was playing soccer so I, or football. I didn't, you know, I was not interested in in bikes. And actually, in two thousand and four, I believe, he did the Chupacabras, yes, uh, the one hundred kilometer race. Back, you know, it was a big deal, and. He asked one of my cousins, older cousins, to bring me over to El Paso. So my dad has an import and export business. So he spends quite a bit of time here in El Paso. Uh, so he was already here. And so he asked my cousin to bring me over to, you know, come to the Chupacados with him and do the kids race the day after. And so I did that. I hated it. <laughs> um, I, I did not think it was fun. Plus, I was riding my sister's bike. Which is did you a, do the 100K? No, 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 no. Oh. I was like eight or nine so it was just a kids race which might have been like eight kilometers maybe like okay five miles that's a good that's a good ride for a little kid yeah yeah it was remind me how old you were i was like eight yeah nine yeah, yeah dude Shh. right on okay so yeah. continue uh but yeah it was not super fun and i was riding my sister's bike which was like this purple and white uh girl bicycle so it was kind of embarrassing i have some pictures maybe somewhere <laughs> um uh, but yeah, one summer I came to El Paso during the, during the, you know, my summer vacation and I was staying in my, my father's apartment and, uh, he left his two bikes. He had two mountain bikes there and I was always very intrigued about the cleats, you know, the pedals, the pedal system, how, you know, clipping to the bike. I was always very intrigued about that. So I got a few pairs of socks, put them on, put my uh, dad's shoes on and I rode around the apartment complex and I, you know, I rode, I rode downstairs and, you know, I jumped all kinds of stuff and. I loved it. I thought it was super, super fun. Uh, when my dad came back from work, I told him about my day. Oh, because I had a big scar. That's when I got my, my first uh, elbow scar, which every cyclist has one at least. <laughs> at least. Uh, so I, I got mine the very first day. <laughs> so he came back and, and I told him all about it. And he might have thought, you know, like bef before he, uh, what's the word, you know. but In Espanol, dude. <laughs> before he I don't know, <laughs> know yeah, yeah, like, yeah. before he backs up uh, out of it he took me to crazy cat uh, he got me a helmet shoes uh, gloves everything and yeah that's I bet he was so stoked he was very stoked let's he got go mijo yeah <laughs> come on no you can clean up that elbow later let's <laughs> <Right>. go <laughs> so he Strike got two bikes and he was like you can take one of them I don't care you know, as long as you ride bikes and the, the, the year after I began racing and yeah it was all the cleats. That's funny. Man. It was all about the cleats. <laughs> Whatever the hook is, right? As long as, you, yeah, you get into it. No, that's, that's awesome. And and that hook, you know, that whatever whatever it is that gets into it. I mean, you were uh, fortunate enough to have a father who was into cycling. And, right. You know, so many kids don't have um, cycling in their lives so closely. You know, uh, I would like to think or hope that, like, 
a lot of kids, you know, it's synonymous with like childhood is like, Oh, you ride bikes when you're a kid. But mm-hmm. this is, the truth is like so many people out there, um, don't know how to ride or have never owned a bike or whatever, just because of like financial reasons or whatever the case may be. Right. You don't, kids don't have parents and whatever. Um, but that, that was a beautiful story, by the way. I really, the, you painted a picture with the ranch and the, and that was really cool, man. And, uh, with EP on bikes, this is something that can, and is aiming to correct me if I'm wrong, introduce kids that aren't so lucky or fortunate to have cycling so close at arm's reach right? and to get them on bikes. So talk, tell us about EP on bikes. Yeah. Um, so I'll pass on bikes. We want to start with children, but it really is open to everyone and anyone who wants to ride a bike. Uh, the thing with cycling is that it is not a sport like basketball or football or soccer or any of these sports that you get to play in school when you go to elementary school or high school. Um, cycling is not really like that. So you need to to have somebody to introduce you to it. And if you look around, if you ask people, most people got into cycling later in life when one of their friends rode bikes and uh, they tr- decided to try it out and then they fell in love with the sport. Uh, and most children that start riding bikes when they're, when they're young is because their parents rode bikes. But there isn't really a way for a kid who likes to ride bikes and who perhaps would be interested in racing bikes to get into it. And so I'll pass on bike. What we're doing initially, uh, we're doing school visits to local elementary schools and talking about our experiences in the sport. And because our goal is not just to get people on bikes, you know, it is about health. And as I said before, you know, uh, healthy lifestyles and even life opportunities and I can speak for myself that cycling gave me great opportunities and has expanded my horizons in life uh, has changed the way that I that I see many things that I see life that I think uh, you know growing up in Chihuahua and then traveling all around the world and, and raising in American teams with a bunch of wide people <laughs> That really changed the way that I that I see a lot of things, and it's gotten me to where I am today. But anyway, you know, going back to to the roots of EP on bikes, we want to get more children on bikes and provide the opportunity to everything that cycling has to offer. You know, whether it is just you know uh, having a healthier mental life, you know, being able to decompress out on the trail, out on the road, um, perhaps also. <clears throat> get that competitive side of them in another way besides the usual sports but on a bike you know again on the trails around the road competing with other other kids or when they're older uh, maybe become pros uh, and again all their life opportunities that cycling might provide for them so you're starting at the building blocks like let's get some kids on bikes let's get them exposed yes so going to schools you know safe space you know uh, or EP on bikes being um, a nonprofit, mm-hmm. you know, organization. It, that's a cool platform to have, I imagine. So you, you know, get connected in different ways, have different opportunities that are unique as opposed to a for-profit company or something. But um, when you go to these schools, right, how's that set up? Like what 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 is included in this presentation? Because you've done a few, yes, as I understand it, right? Mm-hmm. How does that look like? As a kid, what are what are they experiencing? What do you guys talk about? What do you do? Are there demonstrations? Yeah, so, um, well, of course, you know, they're young. They're between 7 and, and 10, so they tend to be loud. So the first thing that we say is that, well, because we do bring prizes with us, right? And we have several questions throughout the presentation uh, where they can get a prize. You know, we have water bottles. We have cycling caps, stickers, uh, gloves. Um, so the first thing that we say, you know, is please pay attention, be quiet, and we'll have several uh, prize questions. And I think... Free stuff. <laughs> exactly, right? With that, you do get their attention. And, and that's a really good way to get them engaged into the presentation. Right on. And then we go and talk about, you know, we present ourselves. Fernanda Polanco is one of 
our members who does the presentations. Uh, we've had other people like Luis Encerrado, Miguel. Um, uh, I totally forgot his last name. Escobar. Escobar. Yeah. Um, Evan Scott. Uh, Evan Curtis and, and Christian Chavez. So we have a, a you know several writers that come with us, or several people that come with us. So we introduce ourselves, and then we ask questions like, "Where would you like to travel?" Uh, or you know we ask about aspirations that they might have and then we try to relate what they want in life to how we might have achieved those things through cycling so brilliant tra travel, That's brilliant yeah traveling is one of the easiest ones because most kids want to travel right and, and the funny thing is that most kids want to travel to very simple places that we have all been to through cycling i mean some of them you know say that they want to go to europe or china and, and you know all around the world and I personally have been to Europe, Asia, uh, Australia, all over the United States, all over South America, or not all over South America, but in South America, Central America, all over Mexico, Canada, you know. So we can relate at least several of these things with, with, with these kids and how we achieve, as I said, how we achieve them through cycling. Yeah, you got uh, the next, like, Greg LeMond sitting out there, you right. know, <laughs> or whatever, but... You never know, man. Like unlocking the someone's potential and like just giving them the chance to. You just never know, you know. Yeah. Say, well, kids are, what in my opinion, what it's all about. You know, they're they're just these pure, beautiful, shining, bright little, amazing little humans, and right, and you know they. I I agree. The cycling is a gateway to can be anyway to an amazing amazing life it certainly has uh provided you know similar experience for me and i know so many friends uh that are cyclists that agree you know that man i wonder what life would have like look life would have looked a lot differently without bicycles you know especially mm -hmm. especially at such a young age and um i think it's a, a beautiful thing that you guys are doing um and uh with that said, so like, you sent me an email recently. You're you're out. You guys are out there. Um, the EPM Bikes is in its infancy. It's it's a yes. pretty new nonprofit. So of course you're looking for funding, um, uh, specifically for 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 supplies, right? Because I got this email saying, uh, asking or or asking for bikes or um, it wasn't really asking. It was a a really nicely put email like explaining what you are. Uh, all about what you'll have done basically what you just talked about and then like your goals moving forward and the materials that you would like to have in order to accomplish these goals moving forward and those materials were like bicycles and pumps and you know helmets um tools and stuff and it was a really cool really well written email um but i, I don't remember exactly what it said at the end but what are the goals moving forward right and uh with all those supplies like what do you plan to do with with all those like bikes and helmets and whatnot yeah we we do have a lot of plans uh for some short term some long term uh, as for those supplies yeah we do need bikes helmets um you know safety equipment tools some tubes and what we plan to do is we want to have clinics uh, for for the entire family, really, but specifically for children. You know, we're targeting children to begin with to teach those who do not know how to ride a bike but want to learn how to ride a bike. That's one thing. Also, we want to teach them how to do basic bike maintenance and repair on their bikes. And I think we talked about this before where, you know, we, uh, we see that these children that get a new bike for Christmas or their birthday and they ride it around for a couple of months and then they get a flat tire and since their parents do not know how to fix that nor you know do the kids know how to fix that the bike just sits in the garage for months or years until eventually somebody takes it to the bike shop and gets it fixed and you know that is something that in reality it takes you five minutes so you know how to do it so we want to teach these kids if you know how to do exactly. it exactly or, for example, uh, our our neighbor, um, our neighbor kid, he's good friends with uh, my kids and especially my son. 
and I'm going in and out with bikes, you know, being mm. a bike shop owner. And the bike shop is is very just like a stone's throw away from from my home. And it uh so he comes and asks me one day randomly, just knocks on the door and it's like, Hey, uh do you know how to fix a bike by any chance? I always see you with bikes and stuff, so and he has his bike in his hands and has flat tires. And I go, Oh sweet bike, dude. How long have you had it? And this was like, he's like, oh, I got it for Christmas a couple of years ago. Or, you know, like, yeah. It's like, what happened? Oh, I got, it's exactly that, dude. No bullshit. Like, he's like, I got a flat and just never fixed it. But then I see you with bikes. So I figured maybe I'd ask you. And I was like, hell yeah, dude. He like, went to the right guy. So, yeah, like, we fixed it right away. And then, uh, of course, didn't charge him. Like, here you go, brother. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then, um, <laughs> Dude, seriously, either that same, like within the course of the, like that same day and then the very next day, I fixed like all the, all the neighborhood kids' bikes. There's like nice. four of them that came to me. Hey, can you fix mine too? Can you fix mine too? So they found me. They found the shop, you know, so now they all have like rad dog bike stickers, like all, Hell yeah. <laughs> all over their frames and stuff. And, um, I have one so, too. Hell yeah. <laughs> it was so cool. It was just so cool. Cause man, that, that felt good, dude. That I can't tell you, like that was, um, it was so cool to just see them riding around. My son, which is kind of strange because I'm a bike shop owner and bike guy, but he had taken lost interest in riding bikes for whatever reason. Um, and uh, he he sees his buddies riding, and he's like, "Dad," he comes over, and he's like, "Where's my bike? You know, where's my helmet?" And I'm like, "Sick, yeah, yeah, here you go, you know." Um, kind of similar. He's six. He just turned six. Yeah. So like, I just kind of like your dad. I imagined you know like the feeling of like, like finally like yeah, he's like had it on standby. Luckily, like it wasn't flat. Everything was cool, and uh, and he shreds, you know. And so he goes out there with his buddies, and they're riding around. You get these little like sandlot group of little dirty kids, just like you know, like jumping curves and stuff. And it was so dope, man. It was so dope, and that that experience right like seeing these kids just like their quality of life just going through the roof of course just in, a, in instantly really yeah. you know so had that on a mass scale like to to go to a school an auditorium full of kids and be like who wants to ride bikes like we, we're here to help you we're down or right you know who has a flat tire bring it we'll fix it or who doesn't have a helmet we got your back like that's Man, I can only imagine. Like, yeah, and you know, it is really cool, as you said. To when I drive around and ride around, and I see kids riding bikes in, in a park. It does fill my heart because, you know, nowadays you see all these kids just playing video games or sitting on an iPad. You know, you go to a restaurant, their parents just give them an iPad, and that's what they grew up with, right? And so, having that opportunity to go out and experience the world. Yeah, do you remember uh, COVID when, well. Uh, our my kids were were they weren't quite like school age yet, but um, you know a bunch of friends that are parents and have kids that are a little older that that were in school would tell us tell me and, and anyway would they would share <laughs> stories of you know like being on the sc- these kids being on the screen all day long and not having any social connection and all that stuff and just right like, that seems like just yesterday and forever ago in the same time almost like it didn't exist maybe it's like it's a weird coping mechanism like fucking the pandemic didn't happen i don't know no but seeing these kids um riding around the neighborhood and now like they're out there every day they'll come and knock on the door like hey richie what's up Where's yeah. Yeah. is your son around cool. or whatever you know or like they'll come he's, this one kid comes like every other day he's like my can you fix my handlebars again like he'll jump something and just land and slams he's like they're crazy, man. Some of those kids are just crazy, but, but anyway, it's, um, it is, man. It's, it's such a, it's so nice to be here again, you yeah. know, where kids are, I guess it just like where kids are just like outside and playing that was taken away from us and taken, taken away from them for a while. And, uh, now it's like that much more, uh, like special to see, you know? Right. Yeah. So that's, I think it's great that you all are, are doing are doing good stuff going forward. So 
are you gonna do like uh i don't know it's not like how can we raise funds help raise funds for for you guys i do you uh have a website a cash app but i don't know what? we we <laughs> We are, as you said before, we are in our infancy. And so we have just recently began thinking about raising money and what we're going to use it for. Because before we didn't really know how we would use the, the money. Uh, we are working on setting the website. We do have a website, EP on Bikes. Uh, and we're working on setting it up so that people can go donate there. Um, but, I mean, anybody can really donate and they can, as of right now, uh, maybe the best way to do it is uh, reach out directly to us. Uh, you can reach out through social media. You can reach out through our website. Um, even our personal uh, social media and, and uh, you know contact information, which I might be able to leave you know in here later. Yeah, we'll definitely put that in like the and the notes. Like, pe- sure. yeah, we'll, I'll make sure to get that information and. Yeah, and so there. so well, we, what's the what's the Instagram for example and the face yeah Facebook like you can yes, say that right now everything is EP on bikes EP on bikes EP on at, bikes at EP on bikes at EP on bikes yeah sweet perfect what's at the uh, what's the email address so I use one email and that's hello at EP on bikes dot com H E double L yes hello hello mm-hmm. I like it yeah <laughs> that's cool so yeah you can reach us there uh, again yeah we're reaching out to local companies. Um, we're trying to get a hold also of the UPISD maybe, or, you know, other programs that we might be able to find locally to fund what we are trying to do. Um, I think a few years back, there was a big push for several bike, bike trails and paths throughout El Paso. Uh, but that kind of stopped for perhaps political reasons from what I understand. And so one of our goals is to get more people on bikes and push for that to restart and begin building more, hopefully begin building more trails and make it easier for people to use bikes as a way of transportation. Because it is not just, I mean, I see it, right? I I sometimes ride to school and sometimes I drive to school. I only drive to school when I have to, I don't know, bring stuff with me, heavy stuff that I cannot carry on my bike. But it takes me just as long to get to school on a bike than than on my car obviously i'm perhaps faster than most normal people but still right uh, and, you know it is time that you use for yourself you can listen to music podcast a book whatever think about stuff plus you get to exercise right yeah um, dude I, I didn't have a car for seven years uh not by choice well at first it wasn't by choice my my vehicle at the time the old silver bullet 1984 Honda Prelude, one of the best vehicles ever made. <laughs> it was, uh, man, if that car could talk, whew. but that it it died, and I was just a bike shop, you know, bike rat. Uh, had a road bike, had a mountain bike, but didn't have a lot of money coming in, and had to get to work, had to live my life, right. and I had to make it work on the budget that i had and i wasn't about to i mean i wanted to keep my freedoms i, I didn't want to like live you know i still wanted to ride and go out with my friends and this and that so i was like well this i don't have to pay gas i don't have to pay car insurance you right. know the maintenance and all this this is a good chunk of change that i'm saving i feel way healthier all of a sudden now i'm like motivated to put healthier food in my body because i'm using my body more as like a motor a machine and and you know the fuel that i'm putting into it i was like right. really noticing and then then i started getting stronger and then i have it i mean i never got fitted but i was i have read books and i i know a bit about fitting not as much as you obviously but i you know yeah dude all these things that just kind of tra- started transforming me and then i you know the car that i that i had i eventually ended up just giving it away to my mom at the time she needed a car i was like here take mine like I don't, I don't need one. I don't want one anymore. You know, it was like, holy crap. It was a crazy learning experience, learning curve. This was, yeah, but, but life is, man, life is better to me anyway, on a, on a bike. Um, It really is. And it's something that like these kids and yourself and stuff, I just started at a real, at a young age. Um, Super grateful for that, you know, and, and then just didn't stop, didn't stop. And still to this day, it's like, if I have any excuse to go ride, 
got to go pick up something from the store. We got to like, I don't know, whatever. It's just like, can I ride there? Right. <laughs> you know, can yeah, I yeah. ride there? And it's like, the answer is yes, man. All pretty much always like, yes. Um, and the city's getting a lot better about bike lanes. And I mean, it's, it's still, still I mean, in a perfect world, right? Like no right. cars and all bikes, but <laughs> that's another conversation. But no, that's cool. Like more people on bikes equals shit, a better world. I, yeah, I think so. And uh, again, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, because of whatever reason, they don't really exercise as much. And it is, you know, one of the things that one of the reasons also why I my motivations, at least, and I believe my uh, co-founders, you know, Fernanda Polanco and Norma Rivera, their motivation to do this as well was, you know, in El Paso is crazy. You go to any public place and the the health of the population is evident. You know, you see how poor the health of the population of El Paso is. Yeah, I think it. Nope. Right. And, and, and I mean, generally speaking, right? Right. Generally speaking, yeah. you know, one of the highest rates of uh, diabetes, obesity and all this stuff all around the United States is here in El Paso. And, you know, cycling. Tortillas, right? dude. Tortillas, Gorditas, flautas. Yeah. 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 Taco everything. capital of the world, baby. Wee. Right. <laughs> or U.S. anyway. Dude, so, some of the best food. But damn, no, I hear you. Yeah, for I sure. But, you know, it is something, it is one other thing that, we believe we could help, uh, if not fix, at least um, change for better, you know, maybe get some people into exercising, uh, riding bikes. It doesn't it's, feel like exercise. It doesn't feel it, like you exercise. Know, it's, I, I, I was like associated riding bikes with fun and freedom and, right. you know, like, yeah, just fun, dude. And all of a sudden, like, again, with the whole, like, necessity, right? I'm like, damn it, I got to ride my bike to work. And at first, I was like, this is tough. It's, right. Um, my butt hurts, you know, my legs are on fire, you know. Like, after a few days in a row, it's like, hey, we're going to the bar and whatever. I'm like, nah, I'm tired, dude. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> Which was another plus for me at the time, you know, being some, some like, young dude that would drink and go to the bars and have a good time. Like, it was... It, it kept me out of that scene to a certain extent, or at least like uh, I would go out less and then again, save money. You know, is that all these like uh, benefit? There's so many benefits to riding, to riding bikes that one would not associate with like even exercise or, or like, it's just like, like, I don't know, man. It's, it's just good. Bikes are just so good. Yeah. You know, <laughs> You know, I, I again, I you know, I raced professionally for several years and all that. And uh, after I decided to stop racing, I had a you know just normal life, work, uh, study, and there were days that I was just super stressed out about things. And one of the things that relieved all that stress was going out for a mountain bike ride uh, and monks. And one of the cool things about mountain biking is that you need to be so focused on what you're doing that you forget about everything else oh, that you yeah. had in your mind. You're like, right? don't die. Like, rock, practice, right. trail. Woo. So your mind ah. is too busy yeah. with what you're doing at the moment that you have to forget about all of that other stuff they had in your mind. And stress kind of goes away. And when you get back to your car or if you ride home, you know, just get back home and you feel so much better. Yeah, nothing and else exists when you're bombing down a hill right like in El Paso on our gnarly trails especially yeah. monks especially monks for those of you who know you know if you know you know is that what <laughs> the kids are saying these days and if you don't know monks is like it, it's actually technically called the palisades yeah, okay. up in crazy cat canyon uh, over by like at the base of scenic drive um there's a, a billy rogers a royal park is a, like a little trail system just uh just south of it i guess and then the other side of Robinson going up towards the mountain. There's a bunch of trails in there. And that's what, what I've always known them as monks as well, but technically the Palisades and yeah, those trails are a Jeep road going mm -hmm. up. And then there's a gnarly single track going down. I actually was out there yesterday, last night, <laughs> ate shit, went to the ER <laughs> and we'll see if I have a broken wrist or not, but uh, the noggin's okay. And I mean, not to say that like, I, 
the whole, so like thinking, right? Like I wasn't bombing down this hill and stuff and just, I wasn't thinking. And that's exactly why I went out there. I had a long day in the shop. I was, I went outside. I'm like, man, it's beautiful out here. I have a lot of work to do. You know what? Like I'm kind of feeling, you know, a little, a little mm, itchy. Yeah, a little itchy, right? It's good. Itchy Richie's over here. Like, let's go ride. And then, uh, and then, yeah, I go and have a beautiful day in the desert, you know, just like cruising and then start going faster down these hills though. And just wasn't thinking. I wasn't, I was just in the moment, dude. Right. I, I, and it happens. It, it happens. happens. You know, we could trip on a shoelace and eat shit and break our face or whatever. But like, you know, I, I'd rather do it on two wheels. Um, but anyway, it's not to say that you have to get gnarly. It's just like touching on what you're saying, like that, that escape, you know, it's just so, it's so nice to just get on and roll and have that wind going through your hair and stuff and just, right. And, and, and just not think about anything else. Even going back to your crash and kind of relating it to what we do in our school presentations and what we intend to do in these events that we want to have, the clinics is bike safety. Uh, we want to, teach kids the importance of riding helmets you know you see a lot of these commercials with uh, yeah. sandias you know uh, watermelons mm-hmm. sandias in spanish anyway with the watermelons and the helmet and what happens to watermelon without the helmet and with the helmet uh, so we do want to teach kids and that's part of our presentation speaking about um, bike safety and that's actually one of the prize questions if they can name the three uh, basic components of bike safety that they have to wear which are would you know them you might get a price if you know that. What three components of bike safety? Three, three things that you wear for safety. Uh, let's see, a helmet. Uh huh. One. Uh, gloves. Gloves, yeah. Shoes. <laughs> no, not shoes. <laughs> no. Uh, gloves, helmet, glasses. Glasses. Yeah. Ah, yep. So those are the three things. And yeah, that's where's, where's my prize, bitch. Uh, <laughs> you'll get it. You get it. <laughs> You get it later. It's uh, funny. But yeah. And, and one other thing too is uh, bike safety, but not just what you wear, but also how you ride on the street. Uh, we see, and you know, I, it, this really annoys me that you see a lot of very experienced cyclists, a lot of cyclists that have been running forever, still running red lights, still running oh, stop man. signs and all kinds of things. And um, of course, you know, drivers do not like that. No, and, dude. of course know, not. I do try to encourage people not to do that. And, you know, I I can speak for myself as well that when I'm riding, I, I'm wearing my brand, right? I, I ride with my the bridge kids and I really don't want to see people and relate what I'm wearing to uh, breaking the law, you know, running red lights and just being a jerk to others. Well, it's um, dangerous. It's dangerous. It is dangerous. You hurt yourself. <laughs> right. You could, I mean, and for be, being on a bike, dude, it's like you're gonna go up against the car, right? How do you think it's gonna turn out? Like, come on, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, you know, it is dangerous, but also it is about respect to others. And uh, you know, sometimes people are crossing the street and cyclists just run the red light and also almost hit a pedestrian. So little things like that. And we're trying to teach kids also to be safe when they're riding outside because some kids, as you were saying before, we know we do with your children that you ride to school maybe, or they might ride over to their friend's house. And so we want them to be aware of their surroundings when they're on the street, you know, on the park. Uh, that is one of the things that is also very important for us. And it goes, you know, again, if we teach children to do that, in a way, you're also teaching their parents because most kids their age come to these uh, events with their parents, right? Our goal, and, and one other thing too is, and going back to the trails and everything, a lot of people do not know how many trails and how many amazing trails we have out in El Paso. Oh my gosh. We have the Northeast, Lost yeah. Dog. Uh, we have, you know, Monks or whatever the the, the actual name is for those trails. Uh, Hit have, me up. If anyone out there, I mean, I guess if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are connected to bikes in some way or another, but um, please share it and or the, the shop info or whatever. I have trail maps that oh you do yeah that don Baumgard. shout out to don um made with geo betty uh, back in the day he's in colorado now we miss him dearly come home bro <laughs> but, but he made these awesome maps and I, I i have a a stack of them and so i just give them out to anybody who comes in and they ask questions like they're they're really really well made and there's some um 
they're outdated, you know. So mm-hmm. so they have like, but, but whatever. Who gives a shit? Like the map itself is is sweet. So yeah, as long as they last, uh, right. I think they might be at at the uh, visitor center as well. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, I think if, yeah the BNBA uh, is trying to push for updating those maps now uh, and sharing them as well, from what I understand. But yeah, I mean, anyway, and, but you know, people people who ride bikes already kind of have an idea of what trails we have available but a lot of people out there have no idea of the great resources that we have for bike riding um and the events that we have you know things like the coyote classic that i believe you organize yes um the 12th hour of all del paso the postler all these beautiful races that we have and you know if you go there as an expectator might be even more fun than as a racer because those <laughs> races are hard. Um, and it, it really can become like a family event. You know, you come in with your, with your children or with your parents to race and you have all kinds of food trucks and, and, and beer for the adults and hopefully. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it is fun. It, it really is not just about riding bikes. It is about the community of cycling. Um, and Dude, yeah. I just got back from the Sedona Bike Fest uh, oh, you this did? last weekend. Yeah, it was. <laughs> oh, I saw that. There was a lot of people from El Paso out there. Yeah, they it was dope. Home. It was dope. It was dope. Um, I I went out uh, with a bunch of dudes. Got an Airbnb. Shout out to Manny and Rudd and Tony and all the dudes. Mark, James, all the fuck. I don't know. There's so many dudes. Uh, sorry if I didn't mention. But anyway, I uh, saw that. Um, that uh the expo right mm-hmm. like we showed up to the expo and there was a bunch of tents and you know a bunch of vendors were out there you know a bunch of bike brands and and this and that but as soon as we pulled up we rolled up to the event or the expo and of course there's like a sea of mountain bikers it's like woodstock and then but right in the beginning like right there on the curb eating ice cream were these like kids this family that took the kids to this place sedona is amazing by the way i was my it was my first time um the expo and the bike fest aside just like the town was super cool uh the views is just such a beautiful beautiful town um the geography the trails were oh my gosh dude like that i was moved in mid-ride i stopped and was like like this is a blessing like it was, it was amazing, been. dude. Um, I mean, I arrived to that point because of the bike when I was a kid, you know, it's the same journey, same path. Right. So like right. seeing those kids with their family, um, enjoying this beautiful festival and, um, it was, and it was a shit show. It was like the mother nature didn't make it easy. You know, it snowed and the forest service ended up like, uh, cl- shutting down the trails. Hmm. Um, they postponed the event a day, they pushed it, all this stuff happened, but but um, a lot of people just kind of, you know, said, fuck it. and made it happen. And it ended up being, I mean, we had a beautiful experience. The guys that I was with, we had a great time. Everyone that I talked to was stoked. Um, and just seeing those kids, like I could tell you, those kids were stoked, you know? Right. Yeah, it was so cool, man. Like that can totally be a family thing. It is a family. Like riding bikes. Another story real quick, like back in the day, I was working at the bicycle company um, and it was just like a brownout, like, like so windy sandstorm, you know, how mm. it gets in the spring, like mm-hmm. really, really bad. Um, the, uh, and then this family comes in from Canada. They're on two tandems. A tandem yeah. is, is, you know, the, the double bike. Mm-hmm. And they had the a father and the mother for each, the, the captains of each one of the, you know, each bike. Right. And mm-hmm. then they had, I forget how old these kids were. I want to say they were like between eight and 12. Um, pretty young, but like not super small. Right. Um, and so they were on the back, loaded down panniers, the whole nine yards. And they rode from the Canadian border down the coast. And they were going across, uh, to California. So they came down Vancouver. Oh, from Vancouver, like Florida down to like L to down the coast. Yeah. And then did the Southern tier, which is from like San Diego, pretty much like a long i-10 not on i-10 but there's another route right, that right. kind of like parallels it and so they stopped here 
Were they going to, all the way to Florida? They were going to, yeah, they were going to do the <laughs> perimeter of the fucking United States oh, as a family, dude. Right, that's crazy. And on the worst, like one of the worst, grossest days, I remember just being like, oh, this is gross, sucks, or whatever. And they came in. I'm over here bitching about the weather. <laughs> and they came in. They're like, just so happy. I'll never forget it. These kids, I'm talking to them. Um, and they're like, yeah, we saw roadkill. We counted however many you know <laughs> dead this or dead that and they were just so stoked there's not mm -hmm. an ounce of like sucky day you know like in them at all it was just all good and I, that blew me away man that just it was um for whatever reason yeah it stuck with me for well for many reasons uh but yeah it it's hard to have a shitty day on a bicycle in sedona like in the mud and the slop and stuff like all those hurdles that you know mother nature and just the, the festival had to overcome like with with the weather and whatever it's just when you're on a bike it's kind of hard to be pissed at things you know? yeah well <laughs> i'd argue know. against that yeah yeah <laughs> no, i mean i you know when i was racing um you know now that i'm not racing and i really just run ride for fun or to stay healthy or whatever but sometimes when the weather is not good just don't feel like going out and ride you know to ride and i have some local friends that give me shit about it they're like oh you know it's just it's just a little cold you know it's a little rain whatever and i'm like man for 10 years regardless of the weather i had to go out and ride three four seven hours so now that i don't have to do that <laughs> i want <laughs> and otherwise it's one day and that that's probably the, the when i've in the coldest on the bike, I was doing this seven-hour ride. It was actually my last day of a training block. This was in October, I believe, 2017. I was in Virginia. When I left the house, it was a little drizzle, you know, just barely raining. It was about 55 degrees, so it wasn't too, too cold. It was actually kind of fun. And if you've been to the East Coast, you, you know that uh, fall in the East Coast is gorgeous. Right? The leaves changing, you know, or everything's orange. It's just gorgeous. And I had this route that I really liked. I went from Virginia up to Maryland, uh, West Virginia and then up to Maryland, up to Pennsylvania and back. So I was going to do that On route. Bike? Yeah, yeah, it was like, it was seven hours. It was like 200 and some kilometers, 140, 30 miles or something like that. So I guess that sounds crazy because you're hitting like all these different states. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. On a bike ride. Well, Maryland and that section right, is right. not that wide, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, and when I was at the furthest point from my house, it started pouring and temperature dropped to like 42 degrees and just began going down. And it was so stormy that it was like three in the afternoon and it was almost completely dark and I was still like two hours from my house. And I was so cold, I couldn't feel my hands. I got, I stopped at a gas, in a gas station. I bought two coffees, one for me to drink and the other one to put my hands in because oh I couldn't God. feel them. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't feel it for about three minutes. And then finally, I, you know, I began getting a little bit of a feel on my fingers. And I kept calling my friends to see if somebody could come pick me up. And nobody was picking up, my, you know, the phone. And after about half an hour, it was getting dark. So I thought, well, you know, I either go or sleep here, apparently. So I just took off. And usually from that gas station to my house, which was mostly uphill, took me about an hour and 40 minutes. That day, it took me a little under an hour. Oh, <laughs> I was just my God. going full gas. <laughs> and I was very disappointed because my power meter, I guess, from all the rain failed. So it didn't record, uh, you know, the actual power. I mean, it recorded like 600 watts for one hour, which is impossible for me anyway. Um, but yeah, I'm really bummed that I didn't get <laughs> my power from that day because I'm sure I would have, you know, broken some records. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know. That's funny, man. All these kind of experiences that they get to live yeah. while riding bikes are I mean, dude, unbeatable. I, we I could go on and on about the stories, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Like a lifetime's worth for sure, dude. And they're all great. It's, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, I guess, a good way to round it out, right? It's like these, these sweet moments in life that I guess there's just, I see more abundance of it. I mean, I'm biased, obviously, <clears throat> but um, they they so often have to do with some sort of something about the bike, mm -hmm. you know? And I wish you well with EP on bikes. Cause thinking about, 
you know, the next generation of kids and just like more people um, getting exposed to such a a beautiful thing. Um, man, that that's cool, dude. Uh, yeah. Thank you. You know, as a, as a not only as a cyclist and as a fellow member of the community, but as a as a father, as a a person that um, sees kids as such a something so pure in this world, you know, and, and, and cycling as well. And to, to bridge those two things, you know, it's like, man, yeah. Thank you, dude. Thank you. Yeah. I wish you the best. I wish all your whole team the best. And I guess it's uh, a pleasure to be doing this. Yeah, dude. I, I, yeah. EP on bikes guys, yeah. everyone out there, if you're, uh, we'll have the, the in fact, in, in April 30th, which is in Mexico, the Day of Children, you know, the Dia del Niño, mm-hmm. we have an event uh, at the Desert Downs BMX Park, which Here I know you're familiar with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here in El Paso, in the Northeast. It is a great park. You know, it is a great venue. And, and I think kids love that place from, what, I, so from what I've seen. And I, I think you got started when yeah. that was being built, if I remember yeah. correctly. Wait, April April 30th? April 30th. It's a Sunday, and uh, we'll have an event Sunday, there. Sunday, April 30th. Yeah, What's we're still... What's the event called? Uh, it's just El Paso and Bike, the, the Dia del Niño or something. Dia del Niño. Okay. Dia del Niño. Yeah, in Mexico, it is the Dia del Niño, right? So Day of so the Children. Day of the Children on bikes. Day yeah. of the Little Shredders. Okay, yeah, I yeah, like yeah. it. I like it. We are still working on times and all that, and hopefully okay. we'll share that through our social media, and we'll have flyers at bike shops. And well, we'll definitely um, forward it. And yeah. I'm I'm stoked if there, you know, in any I've know I told you this off air, of course, any way that we can help Rad Dog Bikes, you know, this Appreciate is something it. that, man, I I feel like so stoked to release this episode because um, there's so many people. I, I know for a fact there's so many people in my bubble anyway in my within my arm's reach that I feel like would would want to participate or at least donate or, or you know or at least even show up to like these events and and I mean how how could you not right this is a beautiful thing that you all are doing so April 30th uh, time to be determined time to be determined but at, maybe between might start at eight or nine. Okay, at yeah. Desert Downs Desert Sunday Downs. at Desert Downs yes. BMX track in the Northeast. Um, that place is sweet. It's it's yeah, that place is awesome. I need to get Mike on here, Mike Rossin, and and I yeah. talk about the history of of Desert Downs because it's a uh, it's a good one. His mom, uh, maybe we'll get her on the on the mic as well. She was she was the original track operator and a very cool story. But dude, thank you very much. Oh, thank uh, you. Let me see if I remember how to do this. <laughs> the outro music. Where is it? There it is. Yeah, a little rusty. Uh, a little rusty. Hera. Medina, everybody. El Paso on bikes. Look them up. Thank you. Be well. Take care. Keep riding. Peace. <laughs>